Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Welcome to MMA FanCast. I am joined today uh, with an up-and-coming pro uh, fighter who's undefeated. We are joined today by Trenton Zadarko. Trenton, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great having you on the show. You are going to be making your second pro fight for uh, this is for 247 Fighting Championships, November 16th. We're under a week out. This is fight week, um, and it's going to be your first time fighting for 247 Fighting Championships, and so that's exciting. And you just made your debut um, that you won by armbar in the first round in May. So let's talk a little bit about that. How was that fight for you transitioning from amateur to pro? Uh, it was great. Oh, I mean, uh, kind of had to you know, change up the rounds and you know, kind of mm-hmm. train for a longer fight, which was, I don't know, kind of a – uh, it took me a little bit to get used to, but in the end, mm-hmm. I think I was ready for a uh, 15 minutes or whatever the fight needed to be. But luckily, last in my last fight, only lasted the first round, which was nice. Absolutely, and, and you finished it by armbar. And what's interesting about your amateur career is you had both uh, TKOs by stoppage as far as strikes, and also submissions. You had a five and two record um all but one of those uh were stoppages four stoppages out of a five and two record um i ask this a lot in mma because mma is such a unique sport um do you aim for the stoppage or are you just out there to have the best fight you can what's what's kind of your mindset because mma has such a variety of techniques oh i mean absolutely i'm always going for the finish and i don't know who Mm -hmm. wouldn't be going for the finish it's uh yeah you know, you're trying to get out of there without without taking too much damage and, mm-hmm. I don't know, just trying to get the best show so you can get to bigger organizations, bigger paychecks, you know. Yeah, I'm always going for that. Absolutely, and finishes have that way of elevating yourself. I bring up on this show quite a bit because of the success of Kama, the Death Star worthy, but he had a great knockout over Adam Ward in July. And then uh, really under two weeks later was fighting for the UFC on three days notice and then had a huge knockout win there. So you're absolutely right. Finishes, knockouts or any type of finish elevates your, your status uh, very quickly, which is a great attitude to have, particularly young in your pro career. You mentioned damage and something that our listeners might not necessarily understand as far as amateurs is that in amateurs where you fight as far as what commission under which you fight whether it's pennsylvania ohio virginia new york new jersey or really anywhere you fight they have different rule sets and i watched a couple of your fights um from your amateur days and i and i noticed that they had ground and pound strikes to a ground opponent um 
did you did you mainly fight under rule sets that allowed strikes to the ground and did that make it easier to transition to pro oh yeah absolutely uh i did all my fights or most of my fights in ohio which allowed okay. ground strikes because of my background is wrestling in high school college okay. and all that so i mean i wanted to utilize my skills um sure grappling so i figured i could you know do the best over in ohio and do those rules sure tests. Well, that's actually really, really smart of you, Trent. And I think it's interesting at the pro level, pro rules are much more unified. There might be a little differences. Some commissions allow foot stomps and some uh, allow a couple fingers to to ground an opponent while others it has to be an entire hand. But more often than not, pro rule sets are much more similar. It's interesting that you were cerebral and you made the decision to fight in Ohio in order to benefit yourself an amateur, which I think is actually very wise. Uh, the Pennsylvania rule sets are very restrictive. They're probably the most restrictive in the amateur world. And of course, it's for the safety of the fighters. The downside is without any ground strikes or really a lot of other strikes, no head strikes, no no elbows, no knees to the face. There's a, there's a big hurdle to jumping to pro. Speaking of that, um, you mentioned the length of time. What has been your main focus on transitioning from amateur to pro? You mentioned training because you have to fight longer. Well, what else have you been doing to make that transition work? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I guess I didn't answer your question the first time, but with the uh, striking on the ground stuff, I feel like yes. I, I feel like Ohio rules definitely help more okay. compared to that. But I, I understand PA's, uh, you know, reluctance to allow that. Mm -hmm. I understand not wanting to get like amateurs too messed up or too injured sure. before they even reach pro. But, right. Uh, yeah. Sorry to answer that, but um, anyway. No, good. Uh, I guess training for the new fights, just or the new time limits. Uh, I guess I'm yeah. doing more swimming, more like I don't know, engaging more muscles for longer amounts of times. Because with the three minutes as an amateur, you can kind of yeah. you know go balls to the wall, but yeah. you kind of got to pace yourself more as a pro and slow things down sometimes and you got to have the know-how to do that and have the gas to go when you need to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned wrestling at high school and college, and I know that the, the wrestling periods are short um, compared to five minutes, but that when you wrestle four or five times in a day, is that a background that's helped you with understanding your, your your threshold as far as cardio and endurance i guess it does because so i can know like in uh, wrestling it's like two mm -hmm. uh three two minute rounds and i yeah, know two. for those i can go like full tilt balls to the wall all six mm -hmm. minutes but i I guess fighting is a lot different because it's a lot yeah. longer and there's nobody that can go 15 minutes straight just full tilt you got to give yourself a little bit of time to relax, time to breathe, and you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Wrestling doesn't really, I don't know. I don't know if it helps with that, because with that, you're kind of straining, struggling the entire time you're out there. Right. Well, you bring up, you bring up sort of why pro fighters, and it can take some time for pro fighters, and you're obviously making a great transition undefeated yourself, but why pro fighters yeah. at the five minute and even the 25 minute for titles, and there's a 25 minute title uh, fight between Ethan Goss and uh, John uh, DeJesus, which is going to be very interesting. It's the first time um, 
247 has had a 25-minute fight for scheduled for the pro level. But when you're thinking about pro, balancing yourself, like you said, having not you can't say breaks, but knowing how to reserve. And I think you mentioned swimming, and swimming is, is is certainly a great example of that. Not only does it really build up your cardio, but it also allows you to be comfortable with with breathing and, and what that's like, which is great. Now you are undefeated and your opponent, Corey Crumpler is also undefeated. He has a two and record. They're bringing him up from North Carolina uh, to fight you. You're one and Um Was that important for you? Like, like how did you go out? How, what was your involvement in selecting or looking for an opponent? Because there's obviously opponents at the pro level uh, that are much lower than two and O and kind of, how did that match up against, undefeated versus undefeated come to come to fruition uh, i guess i was just offered the fight and uh okay i saw he wrestled a bit and you know mm-hmm. i kind of like to and i knew it'd be more of a challenge for me than just to go with the striker and just try to take him down and submit him sure so so i figured his wrestling and his jitsu and stuff like that would be a good fight for me it'd be you know more of a challenge and sure i don't know yeah i i don't remember even seeing, oh yeah, yeah, I think he was one and zero when I was offered the fight originally. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then he got his second fight somehow in between that time or something. I don't understand it. Yeah. 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 Well, what, one of the things I like about doing these interviews, uh, particularly at the early stage of people's pro careers, is that it really helps our listeners realize that at, at, at this level, where basically every fighter is is sort of looking for their own fights, maybe they have a manager or a coach, but they're not under contract. Basically what happened with your opponent probably is he wasn't limited. Like at the UFC or Bellator or one FC PFL level, fighters can only fight for them. And so therefore you wouldn't see somebody fighting, you know, for different organizations at the same time. It makes it exciting. I think because, uh, your pro level at this point starting out is really about getting experience. I give you all the credit for not only taking on an undefeated fighter, but also, taking on a fighter that you know is more of a challenge. I think that forces development, which is the entire part and point of, of a, of a pro career is that you really want to develop who you are as a fighter. And we've seen way too many times, particularly at the UFC level guys come in with rumors of padded fights, meaning their opponents weren't that good. They get into UFC and they just get exposed. And so I think going up against a grappler that's going to have a similar strength as you We've seen this a lot. Oftentimes, strengthens the other points, like striking. In this case, another thing that's interesting about this fight: not only are you guys undefeated, but you're at a catch weight of 195, which is perfectly between. It's 10 pounds between 185, uh, which is middleweight, and 205, which is light heavyweight. And uh, tell me a little bit about your background. Have you fought in both middleweight and light heavyweight? Do you like 195? Are you leaning one way or the other? Kind of where are you with that? I started as an amateur. At, I think it was heavyweight. Okay. And, but it was, I was like a light heavyweight, like 235 or something like that. Sure, sure. 25. And so I moved down to 205 through my amateur career. And then uh, for my pro fight, I actually had a guy who wouldn't fight me unless, he, unless I dropped to 185. So, you know, I, I was weighing like 225, 230, something like that. Sure. So I cut all that weight, and I think it was the week of he backed out. So it all worked out, and he was at 185. But I don't know. Like when I cut down to 185, I just felt really good, felt really light, fast, strong. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I'm trying to make that my home, I guess. 
And uh, okay, I was trying to get um, this fighter to come down to 185 too, but he didn't want to come the whole way down. So yeah, we worked it out. So we met in the middle. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I would say, particularly for people that don't know, uh, the, the, the fact that at MMA, that the weight categories aren't every 10 pounds doesn't make a lot of sense at the pro uh, guy level, um, you have 125, 35, 45, 55, but then from there it goes 70, 85, 205 in heavyweight. And I think what you're pointing out really well is that it does make it tough when you're in between or when you want to fight at 185 and somebody doesn't want to fight you at that and they prefer 205, then obviously you settle 185. And I'm glad that they, that the uh, state commissioner of Pennsylvania okayed a catch weight at 95 because I actually think that that would be a good weight class to actually have. I, I'm a big proponent of 10 pound weight classes as opposed to these big gaps um, because it, it forces guys to cut more weight to make it. So I think that's great. It's also cool to know that your long-term goals are at 185 and obviously um, you're also showing what's important at this level of pro is that you take the fight that's offered you and you make it work. And so I think that shows a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, Give me a little bit of background on kind of jumping back on your amateur career. You had seven fights. You were five and two. Obviously, I know you probably were matched for more fights, probably trained for more fights because those amateur fights always fall through. But what did you learn the most from, from that process and learning MMA and your coaches and your training uh, back when you, were an, uh, when you were an amateur fighter? Yeah, from that process, I really learned, I don't know, take, take what fights you can get because – you okay. never know when you're going to get a sucky one and uh, sure. people are going to back out on you. Because I had more than a couple of that. And that, and that sucked. I was training all that time. So, I don't know. I guess the biggest thing was just take the fights when you get them. Keep going. Sure. And not worry about it too much. Just keep your head down. Keep working. Absolutely. And it's a great attitude to have in all areas, not just in MMA, but in life in general. That a lot of times if we spend too much time focused on getting exactly what we want. We'll never be happy. We'll never get exactly what we want. Uh, and particularly in the fight business, there, there's always going to be um, that focus of going to work, you know? Um, now you are a bit of a hometown guy, right? How many people do you expect to be there for you? Do, are you excited that you might have a crowd or are you not worried about uh, the crowd being a fan of yours? Cause you're more of a hometown kid than a, than a guy from North Carolina. What's that going to be like for you? Yeah, no, I don't really stress about it too much. Just, Cause when I get in there, I kind of get tunnel vision. I don't hear much of anything or, you know, see much of anything. <laughs> so I'm not too sure. worried about it, but luckily I'll have a, I'll have a bit of a crowd there. You know, okay. Friends, family, coworkers, you know, all that. Absolutely. And at this stage of your career, you mentioned coworkers. Um, do you have a job outside of fighting? And if so, what type of job is that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know as many fighters <laughs> my level that yeah. I can't have a job, you know, no. You don't get paid that much, but you know. Uh, I oh yeah, I'm on the KML Carpenters Union. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh yeah, I'm working at what's it called? That Allegheny General Hospital for patients. Okay. Yeah, they're uh they're a pretty big company. But yeah, coworkers on the construction crew, they they're buying tickets for me and helping yeah. support. Yeah, they'll be out there. It'll be a good time. <laughs> That is cool. That's a, that's a great connection you have there, obviously. And I think you, you hit the nail right on the head, not only because of the Carpenter reference, see what I did there, but also at this level, and I think that's important. I bring this up a lot on this podcast. 
that at the really at many levels of the pro MMA fighter that that people have multiple jobs. Um, and I, I think it's kind of indicative of of the journey of a fighter, of why it's so important when fighters make it big, um, when they can transition to full-time fighting. I also think there's more focus and dedication when you work a full-time job as a carpenter and then also train. And sometimes I think some of the guys that make it big, let's say at the UFC, I think some of the reasons why they get distracted by the bull crap outside is because they actually have more time. You know, as a pro fighter, they're, they're a full-time fighter. They don't have another job to tie up their time. And a lot of times they get into kind of some bad behavior and you'll see some of the best fighters, whether it be DC, who is actually a high school wrestling coach or Stipe, obviously, um, who's a fireman. You know, a lot of the better fighters actually either coach or have another job. And I think that helps them stay, uh, focused and grounded as opposed to maybe bigger names like you could think Conor McGregor or others who have gotten in much more trouble since they hit it big because they don't really have other things going on in their life. Um, so it's really great that you're in, in the carpentry now. How much time off do you take going into a fight? Like, well, what are you doing right now, fight week, as far as working as a carpenter? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the, usually they usually don't give you much time off because, you know, yeah. they got deadlines and, you know, it's, sure. they're trying to keep the job site moving. But luckily with this company, they are super. They're just the best. And they gave me the last uh, couple weeks off before my fight so I could really just focus on Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like two, three weeks off. Just, yeah, just so I can train, recover, make sure my body, make sure everything's good. And which will be nice because this is the first fight that I've ever had time like this off. So we'll see if it helps. So you'll see how your body responds to that and how your fight, you'll be able to gauge whether or not it makes a big difference in your fight, which we both could imagine it would. Um, But it'll give you a good understanding of how, that extra training and focus and recovery, as you pointed out, probably the biggest thing that that happens um, is having downtime so you can actually let your body recover. Rest is so important. Recovery is so important um, in the fighter's world as an athlete to let themselves heal and recover. So a shout out to your, to your company for being understanding and giving you um, that time off. That way you can have more of a focus. And also it'll give you a better indication of what it's like a little bit to kind of be that pro where you're more focused and you don't have those distractions. So that's a great thing. Um, what are your thank yous? Kind of what's your, what's your team like? Where are you training? Um, anytime I interview anybody, I always want to give them the opportunity to uh, thank whether sponsors, training partners, coaches, their family, whoever it is, because a lot of what an MMA fighter goes through is needing support and needing uh, not only training, but also people to encourage them on their journey. Cause you're not really in a team where you can go out and be a, a part of a team. You kind of have to find people around you. So, so who are you grateful for? What, what are your thank yous and shout outs? I can't remember all my sponsors. I don't want to name just a couple Uh-oh. of them, leave them other ones out and get upset with me. Uh, Sure. Well, yeah, thank you to all my sponsors. Um, everyone there we go. At the Matt Factory, who's been help, helping me train. Everyone mm-hmm. at Health and Grace Jiu-Jitsu, who I've been training t- with too. Friends and family. I guess the company, my company, Petrinus, who's been helping me get my sure. time off. You know, let me train so much. My wife, for sure, helping me eat and everything, eat healthy. Uh, sure. Thank you to my daughter for distracting me when I get too stressed. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, How old's your daughter? Uh, she's eight months. 
Oh my goodness. Congratulations to you. And man, eight months old. That's, that's wonderful. Oh yeah. She's the best. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, that's a great list. And I think one of the things that comes out a lot is the family support. You mentioned your wife, obviously very important. Your daughter, the the fact that a, that a pro fighter has a very unique interactions with their family due to um, the training. And like you said, nutrition and, and all of those things. So wonderful that you were able to thank everybody. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you in action. It's very exciting to have um, pros early in their career. I think it's very great for Ryan Milton uh, to have 247 not only send people to the UFC that we've seen with Kama kind of at a point in his career where he was ready to go m- much higher level, but also I think developing um, undefeated talent is very big because I know Ryan wants to develop two four seven into a dominant into a dominant uh, program in and of itself, and I think you're going to be a big part of that as as a guy who hopefully is going to keep fighting on two four seven and building building up your record, building up your reputation, and also having that home crowd support. So best wishes to you come uh, coming out. November 16th. So everybody that hears this podcast, get tickets, or you could also stream it. Go on Facebook to two, four, seven fighting championships and look at how you can stream. Um, if you can't get there in person, but it'll be at Princecape arena. Um, this coming Saturday, November 16th, um, it's going to be a great opportunity to see not only Trenton fight, but a bunch of local, uh, fighters, also fighters that have fought all over the world. It's going to be a great card. Thanks so much for coming on and best wishes to you, Trenton. Oh, yeah, thank you. And, yeah, I'd like to thank Ryan Middleton, too, for getting me on the card. Sorry, everything going about, <laughs> about, about him. Yeah, my bad. No, it's <laughs> all good. Listen, it's all good. Thanks so much for having you on. I'm sure Ryan knows you're grateful for the opportunity to fight on his uh, on his card. It's going to be a great – he's really building up a, a, a great event um, atmosphere-wise as well as also product, you know, bringing out, bringing out people that are going to really be the future of MMA. So thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me.